I'm Justin Peterson. And I'm Brian Lee. Welcome to the Voice Culture Podcast, where we traverse the rich historical legacy of voice training from the greatest minds and teachers of the art. Each episode features lively conversation, fascinating historical insights, and practical application for today's singer. So I wanted to share some ancient wisdom and kind of riff on a fun old story that dates back probably to 500 BCE, which is pretty old. (laughs) Yeah. So we're talking about the time of the Buddha here. Uh, And although this story probably goes uh, further back than that, but the story is actually a parable, which is the parable of the blind men and the elephant. Uh, which has been modified into different forms and throughout different religions, actually, throughout the the, uh, the East up to the present day. But the parable basically is that um, a group of blind men have heard about a strange animal called an elephant, and they go to town to um, become aware of what this thing is. And so they begin to feel the animal and, and say, well, we, you know, we have to inspect it, and we have to know it, what it is, and find out what this elephant is. So they go out and they begin to touch different parts of the elephant. And the first person whose hand lands on the trunk says, this is a snake. Mm -hmm. This thing is like a snake. Um, Another blind man reaches its ear and says, oh, it's, this is a fan. This is, this animal is like a fan. Um, Another blind man whose hand was on the leg says, oh, this elephant is like a pillar. This is like a, you know, a pill, a building pillar. And another blind man puts his hand on the, on the elephant's side and says, oh, this is a wall. This, an, this animal's like a wall. Uh, and then finally the last uh, blind man uh, touches its tail and says, oh, it's like a rope. This is like a rope. And uh, finally the last, the very last blind man says, this is, uh, feels its tusk and says, oh, this is like a spear. So, you know, obviously you think, okay, what does this have to do with singing? <laughs> Right. But I think there's some real wisdom in this story uh, because each one of these people that was feeling the elephant was convinced of the rightness of their experience and of their impression Mm -hmm. and convinced of the rightness of of what they were, um, what they knew based on prior experience. Yeah. Right. Because each one of them knew what a snake was. Each one of them knew what a pillar was. So now we have this elephant and it's like, okay, what is this? And these the experience is obviously limited and the, and what they're taking in is limited. Right. So it just really struck me in terms of, of how teachers approach the voice. And, and, and I think anybody who goes to any voice teacher conventions, not, you know, is going to be able to um, quickly see how many different ways there are of looking at the voice. Yeah. And I think, Knowing this story for me is a great reminder that we need to be able to have more than one experience or one idea about a thing. Right? Yes. So, yes. so for example, you know, if you look at one particular thing as your sine qua non of, of singing to the extent of all other things, you're going to have a very limited view of what that is. Yeah. Of what singing is because you're looking at it from one perspective. And I think understanding that all of us as voice teachers are looking at the the vocal um, conundrum from all of these different perspectives. Because each one of those blind men were convinced that they were correct. Mm-hmm. 
each of them thought, I am correct. This is, and in, in a way they were correct because their particular experience was of that limited part of the elephant, but it wasn't the totality of the elephant that they were experiencing. Right. In other words, they yeah. weren't feeling the leg, all of them. They weren't all feeling the tail. They weren't all feeling the, 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 the trunk of the elephant. Mm-hmm. So it just really spoke to me that, you know, teachers who will say, well, it's all about breathing or it's all resonance or it's all this or it's all my pet theory or whatever it is or posture or interpretation or expression. It's only one part of the elephant. It's not the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm just really interested in this story in, insofar as it, it touches, you know, what are the spots for us that we're not seeing as teachers? You know, yeah. what are we what are we missing? Right. What is the and I think that's a question we always should ask ourselves. What is the missing element for me that I'm not uh that I'm not taking in as a teacher? It's a toughie. Or, it is hard. I was thinking about Jeannie Lovetri and how she likes to talk about in her course um well, more than one of her courses, probably, but about, you know, we know things and we know that we know them. Sometimes we know things and we don't know how we know them. And then there are things we don't know and we have no idea about what we don't know. And then that point where we're ready to learn or study or dawning realization where we start to realize there's something we don't know. Right, and we we want we want to know, <laughs> and and how, you know how do you stay open to the fact that through your whole life, you may never be able to see all of the elephant at mm. once, but perhaps you can see more and more and more of it over time. Yes, I think it's also being able to be a person who can go to another part of the elephant and have a different experience. Yeah, yeah, right. Being open enough to not feel that the trunk is the only part of the elephant. But being able to say, hey, let me go over to this other side of the, the animal and see what's here. Or explore what, what this person is experiencing. You know, in terms of their pedagogical thinking. In terms of what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we all think that we have little bits of... we None of us has all of the parts, as you said, of the elephant. But if we can be open enough... I think, and yeah. not be dogmatic yeah. as teachers right? and ideological to say, well, my way is the right way. You know, Richard Miller talks about this in um, his book on the art of singing. Um, you know, he, he says it's improbable that the particular technique, uh, technique, chance and circumstance have dictated to a singer uh, is the only or even the most efficient approach to vocalism. You know, after all, if it works for me, why should I look elsewhere? It is no more applicable to the teaching of singing than to other disciplines. Yeah. So, the idea of being open to explore other viewpoints of right. the same thing. We don't mean doesn't mean we have to maybe accept them, but we should at least be open enough to learn how other people are conceptualizing their experience of the voice. Yeah. Um, it's very challenging. For example, uh, as a singing student, I know for me, um, one value I have is to, you know, keep studying. So I've been studying for years and years and years, and I still do. And uh, to go to a new teacher after you've been studying for a long time already, um, it's, I both want a new point of view. I I want a new viewpoint. um, But I have to be, you know, 
I have to be open to it. And and it, you get you get in order to take what you know, there's a thing about filters too. We could get into that's kind right. of where, where I'm headed. Yes is, yes, is that so? You can go to a new place and get in new information, and I have seen this happen a lot. So I'm sure I'm guilty of it too, where you go and you see or learn or experience something new that you think is wonderful, but then you hear the person say it corroborates everything I already knew, or I feel like right. it justifies what I do. And meanwhile, I'm over here saying, no, what this person's saying really isn't like what you say or do. <laughs> I, 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 right. I, I, I wouldn't come away with that. I wouldn't say, right, right. Hey, Sue, um, you know, Madame Bovary's method that you love so much doesn't really corroborate everything you do, but no, it's, it's good that you feel good about it. But on the other right. hand, I'm not sure you've learned anything. Right. Did you really see that part of the elephant? Did you really yeah, experience right. that part of the elephant? Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. And the interesting thing about the story is uh, as well is that these people that have had these experiences all fight with each other. <laughs> yes, they do. Right. They all fight. Yeah. That's another part of the parable too, is that they've had their experience and now they're all going to fight and argue with each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the Buddha, in, when he was talking about this story uh, in the Kanki Sutta, which is where uh, another place where this story is, is found in the Udana uh, 6.4 is where it can be found. Uh, he has them go through this experience of, of these blind men go through the experience of the elephant and the idea that he said, the Buddha says, you know, just so there are these preachers and scholars holding various views, blind and unseeing, in their ignorance they are by nature quarrelsome, wrangling and disputatious, each maintaining reality is thus and thus. The Buddha then speaks the following verse. Oh, how they cling and wrangle, some who claim for preacher and monk the honored name, for quarreling each to his view they cling, such folks see only one side of a thing. I love that. I oh, love yeah. that because yeah. that just brings to my mind the quarreling teachers of the past 200 years. Yeah. The quarreling voice teachers, you know, right. in print and in, in forum who have probably seen one part of the elephant, mm -hmm. but might be missing another piece. Yeah. And the egotism that's sort of connected to one part of the elephant at the, at the cost of another part of the elephant, because the thing is that they're all looking at the same thing. They're all experiencing the same animal, but each yeah. person is coming away from it with a different experience. So uh, it, along these lines, how do you think a person who is becoming willing to learn, uh, wants to become willing to learn, can increase the scope of what they can see? You know, they, they have just experienced the tale. They think there's more there or they know there's more there. How, how do we open our minds in this profession? Well, that's a huge question. My first, my first reaction to that is... Um, sociocentric thought. <laughs> oh, tell me more about AKA, that. AKA groupthink. Okay. Right. When you go into teachers forums, sometimes there can be a tremendous social pressure for everyone to look at the same things and think the same things and believe the same things. And I think that to an extent when people don't, there's a lot of, you know, uh, discussion around those uh, matters. Mm -hmm. But I think to be able to move to another part of the elephant, you have to be courageous enough to do so when other people may not like it that you do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. It takes a tremendous amount of courage, I think, to, to admit that you have one part of it and you want to see some other side of it. 
because oftentimes people will, will um, pressure you mm-hmm. into thinking, yeah. well, this is really the only way you can do it. We, you and I have seen this in oh. our experience as teachers. Oh, yeah, where, I've experienced it, you know, yeah. where um, like the <laughs> trying to think how to tell this so I don't get quite as many eggs thrown at me. But as an adult, I came back to singing after a time off and sort of a track I got on that was very helpful to me involved uh, a group of people, uh, a certain train of thought uh, in, in vocal pedagogy, a certain view of the elephant. We yeah. Might a say. certain view of the elephant. You bet. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a number of years, many years um, I wanted to explore other things, other teachers, other approaches, other, other schools of singing, in, in other the sides of the elephant, yeah. other parts of the elephant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when I started to explore them and then I love to write and blog. So I write, I, I would start to write and blog about these. And some of the people from my old crowd mm-hmm. would say, Whoa, wait a minute. Huh? That no, that's, that goes against what we know, the things we teach these, the, the way we do things. How we see the elephant. Right. Yeah. And it's like, wow. I, and I real, I mean, since this was all after I was an older adult, I knew that I wanted to, you know, keep going and, and didn't really care too much uh, about um, what people who are tail people think about the ear because right. they, they don't want to see the ear or nope. they aren't ready to nope. see the ear or they, yeah. they've never or they don't, had yeah. a need to. Right. Um, so or the ear doesn't exist. So how to handle that? It's been interesting. Yeah, the ear yeah. doesn't exist. Right. Right. So I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you, and I'll give you, let's bring it down to earth. Let's keep it real. So here's an example. So like a functional approach to voice teaching, uh, as it's understood uh, generally um, in vocal pedagogy, was enormously helpful to me. Uh, very, very helpful to me to sort of start to recover my voice. Um, but I eventually uh, moved to... Uh, looking around at other mm-hmm. teachers and the person I work with now does rely on a lot of imagery. Mm. Um, but the thing that the other people accused imagery people of doing, I mean, that it's like there was, there was things, if I, if I kept the point of view before of, Oh, all imagery is bad. And which, it's always bad. Yeah. Which, which I, right. I, I was saying that for years myself, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. imagery is a bad way to teach. Yes. And I, I avoided, I tried to avoid ever using any imagery. Um, but now I, I see, I see what could be its uses and abuses. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's one example. And I mean, I don't claim I see all of the elephant yet, but definitely that was, that was interesting to like, go between some different schools of thought about vocal pedagogy. You could say different. Some of them were branded methods. Some were not. But uh, when you explore different schools, you really can stir up a hornet's nest as you leave uh, one and go to another, or as you question things, or or if you uh, talk with purists about trying to synthesize. Right. Well, and I think that comes back into that idea of sociocentric thought, right? Yeah. The idea that the, yeah. the idea, the the concept of that is that it, it needs to preserve itself. The group needs to preserve itself, or the viewpoint, let's say, needs to preserve itself. So anything that 
goes against the groupishness of that thought is a threat to the group or to the, the dogma, we might, might say, or the point of view. So I know lots of teachers who have really said that, you know, going to lots of different training things have been very enriching for them because mm-hmm. it has been an opportunity for them to see things from different vantage points. Yeah. And to, to have their um, uh, toolkits expanded or their conceptualizations of the voice expanded in a way that's brand new to them. Oh, like I would have never thought about solving a problem that way, or I would have never thought that that focus on the voice would lead to results, but it did. Um, it's been very interesting to see some of the cross-pollinization of the classical vocal pedagogical schools with the more modern, uh, sort of modern music, contemporary music's uh, schools, sort of yes. inter- interweaving with each other and right. sort of learning from each other and having the humility to work cross, uh, what, cross-genre, you might say. Yes. And learn from each other. And say, oh, you know what? I never would have th- thought about that. That that really did help my classical students do such X, Y, and Z. Or that really helped my rock singers to think about you know whatever classical thing you know that someone might bring in. Yeah, so. yeah. That sometimes uh, teachers are are um, afraid to admit that. Um, there there have been times when, uh, like one example I can think of is. Uh, a girl with a soprano classical voice who uh, is in her late teens and she wants to explore some modern musical theater that's much more speech-based in its approach to Mm -hmm. delivering songs. And eventually she may even try a couple songs with belting. uh, And then she finds that, oh, that's added a little something, something to my classical Mm. singing, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, um, that that can really it tends not to piss off the contemporary teachers but it does tend to piss off the <laughs> classical teachers right because uh uh there's a there's an idea that um you know one harms the other and right. uh the more well more modern folks in general um well the thing is you know the the newer contemporary uh methods and pedagogies are trying very hard to be practical Yes. So they're much more accepting of things that may work from the old classical times. But yes. some of the hardcore classical people are really frightened uh, of of the vocal requirements of some of the newer music. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's... It, too much so, I feel sometimes. Um, yes, well, it's that we could even think, you know, if we were going to take this analogy deeper, we could even say, going beyond voice, we could say that each one of these blind men is looking at a style of music and thinking that this is the style, right? When, or music. What is music? Oh, from this vantage point, this is music. Or mm-hmm. from this vantage point, this is music. Or this mm-hmm. is singing. Mm-hmm. Or what is singing over here? You know, oh, no, singing is this. Or no, 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 that's not singing. This is singing. We we see this all the time, you know. Oh, yeah. That's not singing. That, I mean, how many? I mean, how many classical? Um, how, how much mixed company of classical singers has I, have I been in where someone will you know play some recording from a you know pop music or something? Oh, that's not singing. I'm like, well, oh yeah, to, to somebody that's singing, right? Right. <laughs> somebody thinks that somewhere thinks that's singing. Yeah. And and broadening again, I think not only our idea of the voice, but what singing is the idea of what singing is. It's big. That animal's a big animal singing. Yeah, huge animal. That's a right. big animal singing. Yeah. It, you, know, it, you know, you're looking at the tail and thinking, oh, this is the opera 
part of the, the, the oh it, this is this is singing right here all right i think you could broaden that to say you know as teachers we need to listen to all different styles of music too you could encapsulate that analogy as well that you're not stuck in one yep. genre that you can be cross genre uh friendly with your studio and with your teaching rather than intimidated by it you know fear is intimidation comes from fear i think not knowing or being or being seen of as less than because you don't know mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. being found out you know that's always the big fear I think. yes lots of teachers like yeah. someone's gonna someone's gonna find out that i don't know anything <laughs> yeah right i'm still waiting for that moment for myself i'm like yes someone's <laughs> gonna come in one day and be like justin you don't know anything and i'm gonna go oh my god you found me out you yeah. found me out you know me you know my soul yeah yeah um but being able to be open to the genres of music and learn like you know i'm obsessed with country music i'm yep. absolutely obsessed with it i yep. love it i love 1960s countrypolitan nashville owen bradley sound i just love it mm-hmm. um but i also i can get it on with a nice you know uh, Stadt, you know a little corn gold action or you know uh, poulenc or or wagner or verdi yeah um so that's, and I think that's something that I try to bring into my studio with my students, you know, that when I, when I do examples of things, like today, I was playing an example of that, a particular um, kind of a goat bleedish kind of vibrato, mm-hmm. like, sort of like that hammer vibrato. Yeah. And I played clips of some, some celebrated mezzo-sopranos doing that mm-hmm. in a classical style. Yeah. But then I'd whip out Nina Simone doing the same thing or I'd whip out you know Edith Piaf doing the same thing right so that they can hear it in different styles that they can hear the same sort of phenomenon in yeah. different clothes but it's the same idea yeah so keeping the, the the genres moving around in the studio I think is very helpful to have lots of different styles of music to say ah now let's listen to so-and-so sing this and I, I play opera for my classical for my rock students and I play rock for my classical students yeah like it, no you know it's it's all you know again it's that multiple sides of the elephant yeah issue you know listen to this person do this particular thing oh my gosh that is that that is that thing yeah that that can really open a mind when you hear uh just today um uh we were let's see my husband and i were listening to uh an old recording of patty labelle backed up by a gospel choir four notes in it's like oh i knew that was patty it's just, mm. and it's just, and it's so incredible. And there, there are a whole bunch of uh, qualities of how she was singing yes. uh, that were, uh, besides just being like ravishingly like exciting and beautiful. Yes. But getting into the techie part of it, even I mean, the head voice was fabulous. The agility mm. was amazing. The the flexibility, the power, the the variety of tone color. Yes. Yes. Um, you know. It, it it was just it, it, uh, so so amazing. Um, I literally f- almost uh, no one comes out of my studio that we don't listen to Patti LaBelle sing "Over the Rainbow," oh, her yeah. big operatic yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Especially when she goes up into that like, and she just goes right on up. And I yeah. go, yeah, for my for my gals that are learning to sort of do a more more belty stuff, I go, mm-hmm. Hear that? That's yeah. kind of where we're going. And they go, oh, I get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, another another singer that nobody gets away with in my studio without hearing is Callie Day. I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. I'm not. Huh. She's, uh, I believe she's from Tennessee or from Kentucky. She's from the Midwest. She, she's a gospel singer. But but what's funny is I, I, I'm a, she has always claimed that she's a self-professed opera singer. And there's a, 
I think there's a, I think it's called Hear My Prayer on YouTube of her singing. Uh-huh. I no, Again, no one gets out alive from my studio that they don't hear that. But she, I love that she calls herself an opera singer. But yet she's able, again, to, to, to flexibly move her instrument to a place where she can deliver that without a tinge of sort of any affectation of opera or any sort of like, you know, sometimes it's very hard for opera people to switch because they yeah. bring over so much stuff with them. Um, but, oh. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's an incredible head voice in that instrument. And then she goes down to this chest voice that's just, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. But but if I was only listening to voices in a certain way, I would hear that and think of that as you know aberrational. Right. And think that's yes. you know that's not the way to go. That's not right. Yeah. But when you hear it on its own terms, you, that's the other thing. You have to hear it. You have to hear the music on its own terms. Yes. You have to be willing to move to another side of the elephant, and give up the tail. Mm-hmm. And go over and look at the wall, or you know, look at the pillar, or look at the trunk, or look at the fan, or whatever you know, whatever it is, or the snake, whatever it is you're trying to to see. You have to let go of that other preconceived notion. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it it's really exciting uh, when you get there too. You know, to to realize, oh my gosh, this thing, it, it's a wall, and it's a fan, mm-hmm. and it's a spear. Mm-hmm. How how does that go together? Right. Um, I was also kind of thinking about, um, say, within a voice lesson or within a practice session, what are the parts of the elephant? I mean, so like I'm thinking about um, a teacher who has like a pet uh, pet exercise or pet theory. Yes, yes. And because maybe because that was their aha breakthrough when Mm -hmm. they were learning how to sing. And they Mm -hmm. think that's what everyone must emphasize. Um, Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, uh, breath support. And mm-hmm. so everything is through a lens of always. breath support. Everything on always, yes. And that um, I can think well, of that some... any problem in the voice can be attributed to breath. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard, right? I've heard the... some very yeah. famous opera singers say that in master class mm-hmm. to young singers. Right. And um, wow. <laughs> right, right. right. You know, it's, well, um, again, Brian, it's the, it's the it's the it's the giving all of the doctor it's giving all of the patients uh, um, Tylenol. Yeah, right. Whether or yeah. not they need the Tylenol, it's like, well, doctor, my legs busted, or I've got you know I'm having cramps. Like, well, just take some Tylenol, you know. Or my I, I have this darling, darling teacher of mine from college that I absolutely just adore. Just, I mean, he's a beautiful human being. Anytime anybody would have anything going on, he'd say, well, just get some VapoRub and put on some VapoRub. I mean, that would be kind of his <laughs> response for everything. But I mean, that is sort of the pedagogical VapoRub, right? Where you just say, oh, just this is all you need. Just yeah. just do this. This yeah. is all you need to do. Um, it ain't necessarily so. Oh, well, I love it when um, the part of the elephant is poorly defined. Uh, you know, like... like uh, Okay, so the side of an elephant feels like a wall. Well, a brick wall, a plaster wall, right. a, a wooden wall. wall. Uh, does it feel more like a membrane with a little give, or does it feel mm-hmm. like something solid? Does like it a tent feel, wall? Exactly. Is it, is it cold? Is it hot? But we aren't sure what kind of wall it is. But then when someone asks about how do we build a better elephant, we say more wall. Since it's a wall, we need more wall. We need more wall. More wall. And I th- <laughs> of course, I'm thinking of the whole breast support thing again. Right, you right. Know, It's like, more support, more support, then more support. And I'm like, right. first of all, you haven't told me what support is. Right. Define your terms. And right. is it really a thing that's, that's, 
you know, sold in quantities. Right. Uh, and how do you know when you've gotten it? Yeah, yeah. And how much right. is enough and how may I measure it? And Right. Yeah. And do I do it for the same for all notes and all dynamics? And all, you know, I mean, yeah. those, are, those are important questions. Yeah. For all phrases, do, does every single phrase I sing have the exact same amount of support, quote unquote? Yeah. And then um, I think... I mean, that would make an interesting sound. I'm already sort of hypothesizing what that would sound like <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Right. And... and uh, yeah, situations for for uh, various. Uh... Or we talked about like a, a certain a certain holding of the mouth in a particular position, right? That Witherspoon talks right. about that. Yep. Everything going through an ooh, every all fish lips. Yeah. Right. So that my 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 particular view of the elephant is that everyone should be you know singing through fish lips. Yep. And some, and some are like smile. It's through a through a smile. Always smile. Always and, smiling. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you know when this you're talking about what you were saying earlier about lessons. When in a lesson, how do we the elephant? To me, the elephant is being able to systematize in a way the holistic nature of of as many parts of the elephant as we can know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think this is what Husserl and Rod Marling tried to do in their book. They tried to sort of systematize yeah. the parts of the elephant, right. aka the voice. Yes. And sort of conceptually teach how to hear when those parts are working in cor- in correct usage with each other or when they're working out of sync with each other. Yeah. And that the teacher can then hear the holistic, in other words, hears, the teacher hears the elephant, but then can can determine which part of the elephant needs some love. <laughs> yeah, and actually, right? mentioning Husler and Rod Marling, that particular text came to me at a time when I was starting to come out of being a functional purist because oh, right. their book right. obviously talked about function, but some of the remediation, mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of their concepts, they said they basically put everything on the table. Uh, uh, physical sensations, imagery, um, exercises, listening, vowel, vowel yeah. formation, listening. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're, you know, it's, it's, uh, they were so, um, that little book, it's not a huge book. It's only like no. uh, ma- the main text is 120, 140 pages, something like that. But um, it's so, uh, you could tell the people who wrote it were so cross-disciplinary and not bound to a particular uh, method or mm. school. Um, it was. It's a real mind opener of a book because of that. What I found really well, we could have a whole thing. We will have a we session. We will. We'll be talking Marling. about absolutely. Yeah. But I, I find that 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 text is one in which, and I think Richard Miller, to a degree, does the same thing in structure of singing. Mm-hmm. He tries mm-hmm. to look at the elephant from all the different pieces. You know, yeah. with regard to breathing, um, registration, vowels, particular vowels. I mean, his book is really a great resource for sort of mm-hmm. taking the elephant mm-hmm. apart mm-hmm. and sort of looking at it. Yeah. Um, uh, but. Uh, I find like in a voice lesson, you know, it, it's putting all of those parts. It's being able to hear the elephant, as I was saying, you know, coming out of the student's mouth, <laughs> right? To, to take this analogy further. But, you know, hearing what's what's the final product, right? Yeah. And then being able to, to decipher as a teacher, what what is it I'm hearing? What is it I'm hearing, first of all? And what's here and what's not here? What am mm-hmm. I not hearing that's mm-hmm. missing? Or what what's the envelope of the sound? You know, sort of the, the tonal envelope, I guess you could say. And then being able to work the student's voice around, like you've talked about spiral learning, which I love, um, 
to work the instrument to find what's missing and to exercise the, the missing parts so that we as teachers take the student around the entire elephant of their voice. Yeah, I think that's a huge uh, part of what we need to do as teachers is to take the students on that tour. And even yes. if we end up not being the teacher who can solve every problem with every part, we've given the student a wonderful gift if we can make them aware of a part that's vitally important uh, even if they need to go somewhere else to yeah. explore that further. I would also say with this, the analogy of this, the, this, this parable, there was somebody who could see the elephant and it was the king, right? Yeah. In the story, there's a king who brings right. these men in to look at the... I think we have to be the king in the story, the voice teacher. Yeah. Right? We have to be able to work as best we can to see the entire thing. And as you said, take the student around mm-hmm. on the tour yeah. of all the different things that the voice does. Head voice, chest voice... Um, you know, vowels, breathing, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. It's a sort of a yeah. holistic thing. Yeah. But we can't get stuck in the weeds in any one particular thing. Yeah. Unless we become, you know, stuck. We get stuck there and we think, oh, this is, like you were saying, this is the one, this is the true part of the elephant. This is the real part of the elephant right here. And it's, boy, it, it, it's really a challenge for the teacher because uh, you can, for example, uh, I know for me, I've tried to, be real uh, inclusive and systematic and holistic about all the parts of technique. But I have to remind myself, singing is not just about technique. <laughs> you know, so you yes. can feel like you can say, well, I have a pretty comprehensive way of teaching singers. Yeah, but, but you know, you sing like you're reading a newspaper underwater. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like. You're, yes, you're, I need you know, to hear this sound. This is good. I like this. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's so it's so it's it's very interesting because there are teachers who, um, are just fabulous. Like you know, perhaps for the hindquarters of an element of an elephant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're they got they've got the tail down. They they mm-hmm. they got the leg down. They can they can build a wall, but they uh oh I don't want to hear that phrase. Anyway. The um um, but but it's it, it's it's so interesting to like, I just find the older I get, if you can stay open, yeah, stay open, stay open, stay open. You're mm-hmm. ever ever finding blind spots. Yes, you know. Uh, what am I missing? Right. What's the missing piece? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And having the courage to look and to move around and try something new. I think that's both of our journeys in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, well, we I... had, but both of us been raised on one view, right? Yeah. And those views, while very effective and helpful, weren't, again, the whole elephant. Right. And we needed to be able to see different angles and different viewpoints. Yeah. So I think every time someone offers a class or something, I always have to say to myself, remember, this is one piece of the elephant. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to the Nats things or you go to you know, conferences on voice teaching, whatever, I always say to myself, remember, whatever class or thing you're going to go to, it's only one piece of the elephant. It's not all of it. Yeah. It's one piece. Sometimes I have found when I have gone to, say, a summer course where you're, where it's very immersive, you know, you'll have several days or a week or whatever of, of uh, studying uh, some, some new viewpoint, let's say, and you'll meet people uh, who are like you, who have studied a lot and been exposed to many viewpoints. Occasionally you'll find someone who 
rather than sort of oh, taking the best for themselves from each thing or trying to hold all the good stuff they find instead jump ship every time so oh yeah i i've occasionally i i can think of a certain method that you and i know about um that where i ran into people who said wow when i got here i found everything i need this is it i this is I how i can stop looking i can stop looking this is right. how i teach now right and um I don't danger, think, danger. Yeah. The founder of, of the method, I don't think, would even think that's a great idea. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Oh, I think so, you're absolutely right. And yeah. I, I mean, we, you know, I, I, I don't want to name drop because I don't want to make this about people's names. But, you know, you one particular teacher we know of who's since passed away um, would, would have been horrified to have certified teachers in his particular pedagogical strain of thought because yeah. it was so individualistic and so mm-hmm. idiosyncratic to that particular person's hearing ability and, and mm-hmm. to, you know, their particular uh, worldview and experiences. Um, and um, I think any, I think many of the, of the teachers who are in positions of power in terms of a method, I don't think sincerely want people to be robots or, you know. Right. Yeah, I don't. Of them. I don't think so either. No, yeah. I think they want to empower. My experience with those those uh, pedagogues has always been one of seeking to empower the teachers that they work with. Yeah. To to to, you know, help the teachers of today, because mm-hmm. we have, remember the historical model of our business has always been a mastered apprentice sort of thing. Yeah. You know, passed down, passed down through mostly an oral tradition. Yeah. From person to per, for, direct, directly. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I think people still need that today. Sure. They need that experience to sit in a classroom and say, what are you hearing? You know, what do you hear right now? What are you hearing? How do we affect what we're hearing? What's, how does the voice work as, yeah. a, as, a, as a model? As a simple model, how does the voice work? Yeah. Without going into the weeds too much, right? Um, especially for young students. Young students of, of pedagogy are desperate for, for practical help. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, how to solve problems. Yeah. Whether, you know... I would certainly encourage young teachers, uh, you know, to to go to other teachers of any experience level. It could be at yes. their peer level or or to mentors, yes. and 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 uh, listen together to things and watch things together and say, "Tell me what you see. Tell me what you hear." Yes, because uh, it's fascinating. Uh, it is. Um, it's amazing what people see. I mean, I remember yeah. opera parties. You would go and you'd watch a tenor singing and somebody would go, oh, it's, his, it's because of his tongue. Look at what his tongue is doing, you know? <laughs> and another person would say, oh, no, no, look at the chest. Look at this person. Look, look at his chest. It's all in his ribs, you know? And a third said, person well, would say, he, he's one of the finest singers I can imagine. He shouldn't change a thing. Right, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, 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 well, that's, a, that's an interesting article. Um, Sound, Self, and Song was a book that was recommended to me uh, recently. And that's something that uh, is in this book where all of these people are describing what they saw. And one of the voice teachers finally just says, well, you know, I just thought it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the end, he's like, well, I just thought it was a lovely, I thought it was beautiful singing. Yeah. You know? So, again, it's that how are you looking at the elephant? How are you experiencing the elephant? Yeah. And uh, it's amazing. But, you know, like you're right, getting people into a room and saying, what are we saying? What are we saying? Diversity I'm, of opinion will always, I think, help us learn more because we'll get closer to yes. g- getting better together yeah, as I teachers. Think, yeah, we all need that. We need the reminders. I think doing this podcast is, you know, 
reminders to ourselves as yes. much as right. We, we don't know it all. We barely no, want to no. talk about it all. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's a yeah. It's an, an attempt to even learn. I think this is a, for me. It's more about learning what I don't know. This is another look at the elephant, right? This is another viewpoint. Yeah. But um, staying open. I think that's the, the ultimate message of it. Stay open and realize you don't know anything, don't know everything, but neither does anybody else that's looking at the elephant. Yes. That's the other trick. Yes. You know, that we're all sort of doing the best we can to figure out how to make this work, how to make this elephant, you know, a total animal. In a way, the fact that we all have limitations, that, that in itself... Uh, that knowledge is something that can even unite us. Agreed. You know? Yeah. And but make it, us more vulnerable in a good way. It's so exciting to be with a group of people who are who are feeling that together. That, Absolutely. That's like, I don't know it all. He doesn't know it all. But together, mm-hmm. we are uncovering things for each other. It's like, we're gonna wow. Get to it. Yeah, we're going to get to it. Yeah. yeah. Some of the greatest scientific minds I've known in my life have had that same uh, uh, approach mentally yeah they don't know you know they and they stay inquisitive and they stay open mm-hmm. science can't afford to be set in its ways i don't think all oh, right it doesn't no. work that way yeah um so yeah it's a it's a it is you're right it's a wonderful experience to be with other teachers who are collectively desirous of how to how can i see from a broader perspective how can i understand from a broader perspective wonderful great well i think that's that's fabulous I think that's a, that's a wrap. That's us in a nutshell. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, until next time. All righty, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks for joining us today on The Voice Culture Podcast. For more information, connect with us on our website, thevoiceculture.com. <laughs>